Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. As you know, I grew up on a cattle ranch in the United Kingdom, and as the son of British cattle ranchers, part of my job was, as the year would turn from spring to summer or summer to fall, to move the cattle to suitable grazing grounds according to the season, or in simpler terms, I would transhume. And it's time to transhume this podcast into the doom room. I'm Alex, and I'm doomed. Uh, recording our voices on this podcast has been a real pleasure. We're coming to the end, and I don't know what to do besides to speak calmly into my microphone, Boom. Boom, boom, we're in the Doom Room. I'm Justin, and I'm doomed. <laughs> I'm Pete. And we are going to be talking about Doom Patrol Season 3, Episode 9, Evil Patrol. Spoiler warning here, if you haven't checked it out yet or it's been a while. But as Madame Rouge heads down to Boca Raton to team up with Mala and the Brain to restart the Brotherhood of Evil, Rita is doing the same up at Doom Matter, trying to muster her forces against Madame Rouge. As usual, nobody seems very convinced on either side, but by the end of the episode, everybody is in trouble, as you could probably predict from the second to last episode of the season. And there is a fight coming, though it is uh, not necessarily in the direction that you'd expect. Everybody is basically, as usual for the show, kind of spinning wildly out of control in different directions. Uh, And mostly, at least when it comes to the Doom Patrol through various circumstances, nobody really has powers anymore. Or do they? I mean, this is it's totally bananas what's happening right now. You're saying that because of the large monkey, right? Yes, and that's one of Pete's favorite words, bananas. <laughs> Pete has not looked up at us once this entire time yet. Pete, well, uh, it was a long time since we had uh, watched this watched this app. I had to wait for Justin to get all the way to Hawaii. There was a lot of stuff, but I'm uh, just revisiting my notes before we get started. Um, this is a great TV show, and man, like... After three seasons, I'm still loving every single second of it. I can't wait to see how this is going to end. 
By notes, you mean you wrote, this is a great TV show on a giant piece of paper in front of you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I still got to uh, read it. Yeah. By piece yeah, you of paper, do you mean used pizza box? <laughs> yeah. 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 And instead gotta, of a pen, recycle. <laughs> instead of a pen, you wrote with soy sauce, uh, hot sauce. But yeah, okay, hot sauce. See? Okay, cool. Pizza, but to you, I'm soy cool. sauce is spicy, very spicy. Yeah. It's got that Ooh. salt heat. It's got that kick. It's got that kick to it. Right, Pete? Uh, yeah, I'm not a fan of soy sauce. Anywho, <laughs> all right. Really? Who so so the, who's doomed? That's it. <laughs> there you go. Right. Well, let's get into this episode. There's obviously a lot to talk through here. We left off with a cliffhanger of Rita versus Laura, and we quickly veer away from that. Now, that's Pete, upsetting. I, I mean, I was hyped for this showdown, and then you know, it was more Madame of a Rouge. slowdown, is what Madame yes. Rouge was like. Peace, I'm a bird. Try to fight me. And, you know, I give I give Rita credit. Like, she took a shot at it, but that bird is quick, you know? Mm-hmm. You got to be faster with birds because they always have the advantage of um, hollow bones. And flying away is what I was going to say. <laughs> uh, another was, good wow. advantage. Oh, I, I didn't think about that. That's birds right. fly, right? They, that's, the, that's when you go up in the sky, right? Mm-hmm. The main thing I think about birds is the hollow bones thing that you said, Justin. But I guess they yep. do fly as well. I'm so jealous of those hollow bones and all those worms they get to eat. Birds, man. <laughs> wow, really? Living the life. Well, yeah. you do love it when someone chews up your food for you and then spits it in your mouth. That's exactly right. I love it. <laughs> I love to be baby birded. <laughs> it's, it's very hard when you're uh, working out of town alone to find someone to baby bird you. Yeah. I but bet. if you ask the right hotel person, they will. Oh, They're man. happy to baby bird on you. <laughs> Not to you got to be careful, though, because you can't have a vegetarian baby bird a steak for you. Oh, wow. Your life is insane. Not to Pete out here and talk about the jump back to the beginning of the episode, but we did start with what I thought was a really good flashback here to 1917 with the beginning of the Sisterhood of Dada. We got uh, Laura, uh, Rita, and Shelly all sitting together, the women of the Sisterhood. And as a little note, the rest of the Sisterhood just disappeared at this point. Like, they have to come back, I feel like, in the final episode because they've been shoved aside, which is fine, mind you. I get why. But for the Rita versus Laura conflict, we're missing those other members. But that said, well, uh, yes. I think they're It's gone. a flashback to a party. You know, they were just in a different room. You know what I mean? Everybody wasn't there for the kind of big uh, dance you know, creation. So, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes that happens in parties. Some people hang out in the kitchen. Other people, they'll go find a kind of room in the back. You know, it's, it really depends on what oh, you're really? into. Sorry, I've only ever been the center of attention. Is that, <laughs> is that <laughs> what you're... Can you tell me what that would be like to go somewhere else? You don't say baby bird. <laughs> what... Well, so we got this trio here. They're doing the dance. We've talked a lot of the past couple of episodes about our views on the art in the show, specifically the art coming from the sisterhood of Dada. Here we get a song from Rita where she goes, love me, don't look at me, love me, don't look at me, which is her essential conflict. So yeah, it's yeah. Nice yeah. Pure it expression for her. Yeah. They no, seem so you very excited about it. Well, I thought it was true to the character. I thought, you know, because sometimes we walk this line and, uh, you know, uh, TV shows were like, all right, we're going to do a dance sequence. And we're like, all right, we're going to see how this goes. But I felt like they kept it in the wheelhouse of what the character could do. It wasn't like all of a sudden she was just like popping and locking and doing crazy moves. Uh, so I was I thought it, it was kind of like sweet for Rita. I thought it worked well. 
I also, oh, go ahead, Justin. I was going to say, from my time in the um, improvised dance world, I think that um, it, was, it was all right. It, it expressed something, but mm-hmm. yeah. the moves could have been a little bit more elaborate. I do think the point here, actually, there's a brief moment when they're talking and Rita, they say something about art and... They're like, you know what we mean, right? And she's like, oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I know exactly what you mean. I think the point here is that Rita does not get the art on the same level necessarily that the rest of them do. Uh, and that is why she's overreacting in this way. She's using it. Uh, she used the Eternal Flagellation essentially as a supervillain plan. And there's a lot of back and forth here in terms of who is the villain. Is it Rita? Is it Madame Rouge? Is it both of them? Is it neither of them? Yes, but but what's interesting about the character is we kind of go back to this and she kind of doesn't know what art is. But like, as we know, Rita, she's very much a I am an artist and I express myself, you know, and she's very kind of actory, likes to talk about uh, artistic expression. So it's interesting to see her kind of at the beginning, not sure kind of of herself or what's going on. So it's uh, interesting that journey. Well, I think there's a big difference between Rita Hollywood starlet from the 1940s, 50s. I'm kind of forgetting the timeline. And beyond. Yeah, and beyond. Uh, (laughs) But she's a old-timey Hollywood starlet, and the way that she approaches this versus, say, Bicycle Guy, Frenzy, I guess is his name, who is legit like, I am into Dada. That is my thing, and I believe in that wholeheartedly. So in a way, I do think they're effectively painting Rita as a dilettante in this space, I would say. Well, wow, I think she's sort of as a fake dilettante. Okay, sorry. A fake it till you make it kind of a vibe. She like is she likes the vibe of the sisterhood of the Dada, but doesn't really do the art side of it. And then all the way to today, when she's doing the flagellation, it's not about the art at all for her. It's about this revenge um, that Which she is art in itself. You know, revenge. Yeah, there's nothing like a well constructed revenge, just like a well made art piece. You know what I mean? You're a revenge artist, right, Pete? Oh, man. Tell us about some of your pieces. I try. I'm a humble. Each piece. You know, yeah, I can't even, you know, I would say I'm a line producer in in the the ranking. (laughs) Okay, default to that. That's good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Just to go back a second uh, to clarify for you, Pete, dilettante is a portmanteau of Dilbert and Ant. It's a way of saying Dilbert's (laughs) Ant, but quicker. Oh, great. Thank you. And portmanteau is a portmanteau of port. Man and toe. So when you're talking about a guy who's standing on a port and you're looking at his toes, you say, "Look at that portmanteau." I wasn't sure yeah. if you were talking about port like the wine or the port like okay. You you can I'm going to port port manto later today. <laughs> it's in here in Hawaii. That <laughs> really great tourist attraction. Oh, and you know I'm going to cool. have my toes out and out and proud, showing them off. <laughs> Suds out, toes careful. out. That's yeah, what that shirt says. Just be careful, uh, people who. Uh, seem like birds, but then will turn into people. Will fly down. Oh and yeah, I don't toast. trust any of these birds because a yeah. lot of the birds are people. Yeah, yeah, birds always Most. be going for your footworms. I say toes, <laughs> toes, your footworms, because parrots are ba- they talk. They're basically halfway human. Do you think uh, people are still listening to this, or do you think they've given up? <laughs> out of, uh, no, they uh, gave up thirty sheer, episodes ago. Uh, frustration of our. Uh, well, let me say. Let me say. I do think this show, this episode, to take a wider scope on it. There's so much that they're dealing with that it, uh, much like our conversations, it may collapse under the weight of all of the stuff that's happening in the show. 
Oh man, I I kind of agree with you. I there's a lot of stuff that I really loved in this episode, but there was a point, and, and I'm not out of it. Like I'm trying to think how to clarify my words here. But when they got to the Madame Rouge baby who was attacking them, weirdly yeah. CGI, I was like, I don't know. I don't know if this is completely working right now. Like I oh, like really? the I, I like the idea here, but there was something about the execution, and particularly turning Madame Rouge, who so far has not been a physical threat in any way, into this insane baby person who's beating them up. That went like 5% too far for me. Mm, uh, I'm not I'm not out of the show or anything, but I don't know if you guys felt any I can understand where you're coming from, but uh I I just was like so I could not look away. It was kind of like this what is happening type of insanity that the show does that I was just like, "Oh man, this is this is so weird, but uh I I'm kind of like Still in this fight, like, oh, man, we got to get the rubber band lady here who's like growing and then eventually becomes a full size just as she jump tackles, which is, as we all know, that's the when you've jump tackled, this is when you're a full adult. Yeah, that's the sign of growing up in this little page household. Yeah, they played full on ping pong with her. I liked the fight. Um, I thought it was nice to sort of get have something happen. But I agree with you. It was it's just everyone is in a bad like in a bad place and sort of spinning so hard all at the same time. And Rita, who's trying to organize them is sort of spinning the hardest. So it just feels super chaotic and there's no one to really hold on to in this group at all right now. Well, and I I do think that's part of the point, mind you, I did love, I'm always a big fan of the sum up stuff that people do. We've talked about that when like Ronnie comes in and is like, so you're a mummy and you're this and you're that thing. Mm -hmm. And that's sort of Rita's job here is everybody comes in one by one and she approaches them. And uh, we find out that basically nobody has powers. Like first cyborg has human skin. K Jane is now K in charge and doesn't have powers there as far as they know up until the end of the episode. Uh, Cliff is kind of has powers, but clearly is very distracted by a bunch of other things. And Larry is busy with his parasite baby. Yeah. The old parasite baby. So we got all of these different characters and uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I like that position for everybody. I like the fact that Rita is pointing out that, Nobody has anything right now, and she has lost everything emotionally, so that puts her in a similar space. While everybody else seems like they're up, like they're moving forward, but potentially, at least power-wise, is moving backwards, she power-wise has moved up, but emotionally is moving backwards. So it creates a nice contrast there, I think, among the team. Yeah, Uh, and I don't know if it's just being like uh, as a lifelong comic book reader and superhero fan, but that the scene when she's like crossing off their powers, um, she's like, oh, we don't have this. We don't have this. Like, that's stressful to me. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's hard to see somebody crossed off. You know what I mean? Counted out because it's like if you learn anything from this show, you can't count them out. You know what I mean? Like, one minute they're kind of a rubber band break dancer, and the next minute they're a bird. You know, so you don't know how this. You got to you got to save this gold for the Pete of advice section at the end, there, Pete. All right. No. Yeah, don't blow your great advice. (laughs) Speaking of your notes that you talked about earlier, I'm curious Mm -hmm. what the advice section notes look like when you get there. Oh, it's a it's a whole thing. 
Have you seen the Batman? Because the notes the Riddler leaves, it's kind of like that. But but it's Peter's advice. Uh, As we keep walking through here, why don't we split it off into the different characters since we mentioned them. So why don't we start with Jane, for example? Oh, come on. You said split it. Well, I guess it works with Jane. That's good. Split it. Split it off like, you know, all their personalities are split off. Oh, okay. Thank you. I was thinking split it off. Let's talk about Cyborg because he kind of split off. His body? His armor, yeah. Okay. Oh, he split Uh, it off. Yeah, sure. Um, Like, I just split off my clothes a minute ago. That's why I'm naked. Yeah, here's here's a little section we like to call splitting it off where we talk about Cyborg. So Cyborg, as we know, split off his machine parts. Uh, I don't know. Was it a... It was hard for me to look at him. I was just kind (laughs) of like, oh, no, Cyborg. Like it's not cyborg anymore. It's just some dude, and it's um, I don't know. It's kind of heartbreaking to look at him this way. I guess because of the comic book, you know, background that I've always seen him uh, as cyborg. So like, that it makes was sense. This weird thing of like, you know, like the characters in the show were greeting him like, "Oh, what's up?" And you know, LT was the only one who was like, "Hey, congratulations." I was having a hard time kind of being happy for him. I felt like, you know... um, Well, it sounds like you're in the same place as everybody else then, because there's that great running bit in the episode where he's like, nobody's happy for me? Why is nobody happy for me about that? Which I thought was very fun. I did like this, and I know... I was kind of down a little bit on the General Tony stuff from the last episode. I, I thought it was well done, but didn't quite connect. But I do think, to take that back a little bit, it teed up the Silas cyborg stuff from the beginning of the episode really nicely here as Silas basically gives this incredible monologue. He goes through all the times he saw in the hospital, newborn appendicitis after a varsity football game and how hard it is for him. And that he made the decision. He ultimately reveals he made the decision to turn him into cyborg because it's so hard to be a black man in America. He wanted to make it immediately obvious that he was not just that, that he was more than that. And by the end of the scene, Victor digs into Silas for not giving him even a chance to experience that. I thought that whole sequence was really well-written and well-acted. It was, yeah, it was really well done. I mean, you know, it's got to be hard to be a hospital (laughs) because dad's got to walk back in all the time and being like, hey, can you give my kid, like, some armor or maybe some, like, one of those arm cannon things, you know? So... Every uh, dad wants their kid to have an arm cannon. Yeah, you got to think that. You know, I mean, how could you not want that for your child? Um, so it's a tough decision uh, to, for, for fathers to make. But yeah, it was. I thought it was handled both really well from the father's side as well as from Vic's side. Um, yeah, really, because Vic, Vic sort of Vic sort of takes him down there. He's like, <clears throat> he fully just like leaves Silas spinning after that whole conversation. Well, you know, he's got a lot built up. I mean, his he feels like his dad made decisions without him. And, uh, you know, he's finally kind of making decisions on his own a little bit. And, you know, sometimes you got to make your dad cry and then walk away. You guys know that. <laughs> what? what? <laughs> nope, I don't. Uh, sounds, I thought that uh, sounds was like really a emotional. Thing. And I liked how it played out throughout the rest of the episode as well. well. And oh, one last yeah, thing, because I, I, I agree with you, Alex. I liked the the scene here at the top. But... And he sort of makes a case. He didn't give me a chance. Um, I don't need this. I can just be myself. 
And then as the episode goes on, every situation he encounters, he's like, I wish I had a, that cyborg stuff. Yeah, he does so, the arm cannon move. He's, he's like, Grid, like, can you? And has to go get his like, laptop. I'll go get my laptop. Yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, it's so, rough it, out here, cyborg. So I don't know quite what the sort of the larger point is if you put all of cyborg stuff next to each other. Um, and maybe that's where we're set up to to deal with all this stuff in the last episode of the season coming up. Yeah. Why don't we move over? Why don't we split it off and talk about Jane? I did. I did oh, want to split, say, though. sorry, split it off and talk about Larry. Is that better, Pete? Yeah. Nice <laughs> um, I I did like how uh, Cliff said to him, like, what's General Tony going to think? Like, first thing, like, um, and it was tough because I felt like Vic was happy to see Cliff and Cliff was like, well, who the fuck are you? You know, it was uh it was it was really it was heartbreaking to see the kind of how uh, Vic was treated a little bit. He was like, "I live here," and they're like, "What do you?" you can't. Well, that's that's been my issue. If we can split it off to Cliff, I guess um, that's been my issue with Cliff all season long, and in this episode as well. He's just like such a jerk to everybody, and like is is mean a little bit here, and he's dealing with his own stuff, obviously. Yeah, um, as he always is, but he doesn't need to be so harsh with everybody. Well, I think particularly with Cliff, he does have a pretty straight line in terms of what his arc is. He is forced to face up to a bunch of different things here, including the fact that there's that great moment where Rita convinces him, why would Clara come back? Why would anything good ever happen to him? And he's already realized he's doing the same things that he's always done. He's in the same patterns he's always been in. Uh, And by the end of the episode, he's even left without his robot body because brain ends up inside of the cliff body there taking it over. I mean... Well, hold on. Let me just finish up my thought here about Cliff. I do think or hope that he will be ultimately fundamentally changed by the fact that he is literally outside of his body and just a brain in the same way that the brain was. So not even having that and moving backwards, it's possible that could make him spiral out farther. But my hope is that it sends him in the other direction. He realizes, okay... What I have could be worse. It legitimately could be. So what do I do with what I have? And that's that thing of like, you know, you get so wrapped up in your own shit. I mean, Cliff's like, this sucks. I can't feel. I can't touch anything. I'm just a brain in a robot suit. But to a brain in just like a jar, like that's the greatest thing possible. I mean, to see, you know, it's an evil brain, but to see that brain enjoy Cliff's body like that was just such a nice, funny, amazing moment that it was just kind of like, you know, uh, it was real juxtaposition from what Cliff's kind of been dealing with and like not enjoying. So you like where it's at. You want to see Robot Man be this guy who's like dancing it up in Boca Raton? Well, I mean, flirting with some older ladies, which I know Pete is always a fan of. Don't don't bring that shit to me. I just think that it's you know a great thing of like you know like uh, it could always be worse. You know what I mean? You think you have it so bad, kind of think about other people have it worse than you. You know, type of uh, situation. But to see uh, you know even this person who's so evil. Like, just enjoy the simple things and uh, uh, wanting to kind of like, yeah, I don't want to fight evil anymore. I just want to live Boca Raton and kind of, you know, maybe enjoy myself with some uh, other women who are maybe of a little bit older age. You know what I mean? Which is appropriate (laughs) for that brain, you know? 
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. It was a little surprising, to be honest, that <laughs> they went to that direction just because the brain and Monsieur Mala have already always been in a relationship. There's certainly some hits there where is, – is it actually Mala? Is that how they Mala, pronounce it? Yeah. Mala, Mala, I believe. Uh, so I've been doing it wrong. But Mala – uh, is clearly jealous and upset about everything that's going on. So yeah. I hope they do play that out potentially that whole, in a romantic way by the end. But that whole we'll blender bit with Malau was just so enjoyable. I mean, it was very just, fun. It was a fun yeah. classic bit. Yeah. He's just trying to do his stuff. I did like the brained out robot man body, though. I thought the suit was very fun with the high collar to it, the yeah. dancing, everything. Yeah. Very enjoyable. Throwing yeah. on a record, the um, mm-hmm. Brotherhood Live recording, I guess they did. Yeah. Seems yeah. like a fun jam. And that was Mala's voice on it at the end there singing, which is hysterical. Well done. Yeah. Yeah. That gorilla I mean, we can, can talk about that well, gorilla's got range. <laughs> and I, I said that just like, every time I go to the zoo. <laughs> yeah. People are like, what? Sir. All right, why don't we finally split it off and talk about Larry? Uh, Larry is wandering around with his parasite baby who keeps shocking him the entire episode every time he feels a strong emotion. Again, very fun bit. And There's that's not- what it's like for you guys when you guys had babies, right? It shocks you all the time? It, it, it's emotional shocks. Yeah. Um, yeah. So when I brought my baby out to like – Different parties I would always go to and stuff, and I was like, "Oh God, this is this is bad. This doesn't work." The, like Larry's uh, taking that baby wherever he wants to. Well, this is the, the same thing about having a bug Bjorn. You can just bring those things anywhere. My eldest, when I'd be putting her to bed when she was a kid, when she was just like super tiny little baby, she'd always mm-hmm. sort of like lightly scratch my elbow, like she'd reach over there. That was sort of her comfort thing as she was falling asleep. But then her nails would get longer and longer. And so both me and my wife would just have these bloody, raw elbows all the time. And it's still kind of a horrible trigger for me. The kids found out about it recently, and they keep running up to us and, like, tickling our elbows a little bit. Very upsetting. Wow. Wow. So you raised a raccoon baby? Is that what you're just submitted to? Yeah. I was bringing that up as, like, yes, babies do shock you sometimes. Uh, Pete, by the way, how is your Bug Bjorn business going? Are you selling any? Uh, Other uh, than uh, LT, uh, he's my only customer. So I'm hoping after the show airs, I'll get a lot more business. So thank you for plugging it. I appreciate it. I love a mosquito Bjorn and just have, like, thousands of mosquitoes strapped to my chest. Oh, I thought of it. I got them. I got it for you. Don't you worry. Oh, that's so sweet. 
Why don't we talk about Jane finally, though? Because I do think the stuff going on with her is really, really fascinating, and it has been for several episodes' time. Uh, everybody seems to be missing in the underground. There's some horrible screaming going on and red eyes, so we don't know exactly what's happening there. Kay has head to the top and taken over, and I love how Diane Guerrero is playing this. I think the way that she's playing Kay and how it is different from Jane is really fascinating. Really curious to hear what's going on in the underground. So I'm super into this whole storyline. What about you guys? I'm just curious how it's going to go down with only one episode left, um, because we've obviously seen a lot of different changes in the underground. And what is this next existential threat? Is it, again, Puzzle Dad, uh, the Puzzle Dad personality? Is it something new? Is uh, Have all of the... Like Chainsaw Nun and the gang really yeah, turned. When's on? Chainsaw Nun gonna have her time up uh, up top? And she get got crossed to, out. She's uh, totally xed out in this episode, man. Because uh, I mean, to your point, Justin, I do wonder how the underground stuff is going to connect. It always seems very separate from everything else that's going on. While a lot of the stuff that's not taking place inside of Kay's head. Uh, just by necessity of being out in the world does seem to connect. So I'd love to see these two plot lines come together somehow. There's also a possibility, I guess, that this is more a tee up for season four, but I guess we'll see what happens. I feel like with this next episode has to give them their powers back. Like mm-hmm. I feel it's very doom patrol for them to be like, Oh, I've made some emotional and mental progress, but I need to sacrifice all of that so that I have power to beat up this gorilla. Um, so that's where I would imagine it's going. I'm just curious how much they're going to toss. I also do wonder while we're jumping into speculation for the final episode, what the battle is and what the stakes are, because villains wise, you've got the brain who seems fine, just dancing with old ladies and that's it. You got Mala who I think dumps Cliff and Rita off, uh, he pushes him off a cliff. He pushes yeah. Cliff, cliff off cliff a cliff. Cliff and Madame Rouge. Yeah. Yeah. Cliff and it's Madame a true Rouge. cliffhanger. That's right. Yeah. Uh, off a re- cliff. So I guess we'll see what mm-hmm. happened there. And then you do have Madame Rouge, assuming she survives the cliff, who still is gunning for them. So we've gotten these big apocalyptic finales the past two times. It's not immediately clear to me where we're heading with this one, because we already had the eternal flagellation a couple of episodes back at this point. You know? Yeah. I I just had a, a question for Justin. Like, I know you are addicted to pickles. Seeing Cliff's mm. brain in a pickle jar, is that something that's still, are you like, ooh, I would almost eat that? Just been licking my lips. I've been licking yeah. my lips since I watched the episode. I'd love just a slice of Cliff's brain. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I, you know, I'm a little worried about your pickle addiction. I, I, I do. You can think- pickle anything, Pete. Yeah, Anything. that's what pickle people say, and uh, it makes me worried because that brain was pickled. Is it I don't know if you can Hannibal, come back the movie that. where he slowly slices off microplanes a guy's brain while he's still alive? I think that's what it is. Ray Liotta, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty horrifying. But you and do they, that. That was the actual Ray Liotta. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't. Explains uh, a lot of his choices. Exactly. Oh, hey, come on, man. Come on. Hey, whoa, come on, Ray. Hey, Ray, oh, come on, Ray Liotta. Um. Yeah, you could shave. I mean, you don't want to shave a pickle, ideally. You may want to shave a Parmesan um, (laughs) head cheese. But But that moment, you know, there is nothing like it in your life when your pickle comes to you and is like, hey, Doc, can I learn how to shave? And you're like, all right. 
but then you teach the pickle to shave. <laughs> wow. Teach the pickle to shave. That one was a little wild even for me. I wow. Wow. <laughs> Why don't we call out other moments in the episode that we liked, that we thought were interesting. Uh, Pete, you've got that soy sauce out of Pete's box a list going on. Anything you want to shout out in particular? Yeah, I mean, I just wanted to circle around what you were t- saying. Um, I was really impressed with the whole Jane and Kay kind of conversation uh, and where what that's going to lead to. Um, I'm also like the fact that we kind of got this uh, bus kind of flipping tragedy, kind of insanity uh, going on while somebody's being pushed over a cliff. I mean, it cliff over a cliff hangar and uh this last episode i i'm just i don't think everything's going to be wrapped up but it'll be interesting to see where our hero our quote-unquote heroes are at the end of the season Um, because this show is creative and insane so i I really have no idea what's going to happen i mean face birds might show up you know uh they might get eaten by zombie butts, you know, because we haven't heard from that zombie butt in a while, and it's still out there. That's very for, true. For a second, I thought that all the red eyes in the underground were butts. But oh. I was like, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> I mean, speaking of things that don't make sense, I'm just going to throw out a couple of things here that I jotted down. First of all, not to go back to the baby scene, even though, again, I'm not upset or anything like that. It seems but like you are. You're the mad. Whole, I'm furious. The whole faint of... They think Clara is Madame Rouge. She actually took the baby out of the room and Madame Rouge pretended to be a baby in the the holder for just like a brief moment. Nonsense. Like, it's fine. It doesn't nonsense. make sense. No. It's, well, it's, it's also well, here's, weird here's because why it it's like, hey, Clara wouldn't come back. And they're like, yeah, you're right. But Clara was real, but the baby wasn't? Like, what the F was that? It was a little confusing. But is the idea that, Clara, that Madame Rouge was Clara for a minute? And then she, when, I guess, when they left the room and came back, she became the baby. And then the real Clara went to get the no, real baby. No, I think wait. she waited for Clara to leave the room with the baby, then pretended to be the baby just so she could jump out at them. Which but no. she was pretending to be Clara first, right? No, no I don't think so. Because that's no, what no. Rita, Rita was like, why would Clara do something nice for you? And that no, whole no, point Madame was, Rouge, basically what happened was they were like, hey, I don't think that Clara is real. Madame Rouge was listening in the next room and they were like, she didn't know what to do. So she just turned into a baby to try to like be like, oh, maybe Clara left the baby here. But, the, you know, she chose wrong. It was either going to be that or another teapot, you know? That would have been the teapot. Yeah, it would have been the teapot, too. I Imagine also being a to- teapot, short, stout, uh, tip me over, of, pour me out. A couple of lines from the brain. A couple of lines from the brain in quick succession, which... Again, I'm fine with this. I don't have a huge problem, but it just bugs me. I'm not a huge fan of this type of joke is uh, the brain talking to Madame Rouge says amnesia. Interesting. What an oddly convenient side effect, which I was like, okay, I get a one meta joke about how you made this work. I didn't mind it. I rolled with it. And then he follows it up with talking about how he put everything together about Madame Rouge and her history. And she, he says, don't ask me how I figured all that out, which again is like, we don't want to spend time explaining this and that's fine, but you get one yeah. of those per episode. I feel like. 
Yeah, I think that's fair. On the positive side, one scene I did like was the um, K cyborg scene where he interviews her like Niles interviewed all oh, the other personalities. Yeah. And the cyborg impression of Niles was adorable, too. I mean, we do a lot of accent work on um, this uh, professional. Yeah, in this podcast. And really, Cyborg just came in and put it all to shame with that flawless British accent. Yeah. <laughs> a couple of other lines that I liked. I love the line from Cliff, let's arm wrestle. Winner gets to call themselves Cyborg from yeah. now on. <laughs> Fun. Come on, Cliff. Also, holy shit, has everyone fixed their shit? Another good yeah. line. Yeah. And while we're talking... Line. Hawaiian shirt was great. Yeah. I love Larry in the Hawaiian shirt. It feels it's one of those things where it's like this guy doesn't have the temperament to wear a Hawaiian shirt, but he's it looks trying like a it mummy out on anyway. Vacation, it's adorable. Yeah, vacation mummy, mummy are the best. Yeah. I've, I've bumped into several vacation mummies here uh, where I am. Um, I like the line two bananas short of a dog shit Sunday. <laughs> Good wow, stuff. I didn't catch that the first time around. Pete, anything else you want to call out before we move on here? Uh, no, I'm just, it was just such a funny kind of like uh, Madame Rouge at the door buzzer of the retirement community, like trying to get herself in uh, was adorable. Um, yeah, and I can't, uh, I can't say enough about uh, uh, the gorilla just killing it in this episode. Um, Mala. Malai, yeah, but the cliff over the cliff was just too much for me to take. I had to stop taking notes because I was laughing so hard. Um, what do we think is going to happen in this next episode? Any predicts? Man, I, I think you're right about everybody getting their powers back in some way, and I think that's going to be a real bum out for them. I could even see a place where they're almost like physically back to the beginning of season one, isolated, alone, sad, depressed, so that it feels like any sort of progress they made whatsoever is completely gone by the end. I know that's not specific plot points, but I could see that happening and actually setting us up in a way for like, they have to claw their way back to kind of feeling okay in season four, potentially. Yeah, I think that's – I feel like Cliff is the only one that may just stay in the jar at the end of the next episode, I would think. Oh, but I come think on. You can't jar Cliff for a whole up. He's jarred. He's fully oh. jarred. Oh. Um, I think uh, LT and his um, new son, I think, will – I think that he will become born. He will emerge and be a new negative spirit. I think um, Rita will – get over herself a little bit, I think, and move back in. Cyborg, do you think he's going to fully sacrifice his new look? Man, I don't know. I, I want to be a while. I, think, I know I've been on I think this he's going to have to sacrifice himself. Like, he's going to kind of, like, give up his, uh, you know, his humanness to kind of save the team. I think something like that, there's going to be a choice, and he's going to kind of uh, put, put his team first, and it's going to cost him his skin. Uh, I still want to see Grid break out in some way, and I just, I don't know, I've been on that for three seasons, but I feel like I feel like that would be a really good tee-up potentially for season four as a villain, if they all have to fight Cyborg's machine half in some way. I think that would be a lot of fun and pretty dope. I, that could I, be I just cool. want to season say, four. like, I, I'm very excited for this last episode, and, you know, like, I don't know how it's going to go down, but if I was in charge, what I would do is you would see this, like, weird looking puddle right and then the bird would land next to it and 
just as the bird Ooh, is love turning whispering. into uh, Madame Rouge, the puddle's going to reach up and grab the bird by the neck, and it's going to be Rita, and then they're just going to get in this huge fight, and it's going to be a battle royale. So Rita is a puddle? Yep. She's going to okay. blob herself into a puddle, and then that's mm-hmm. when she get, gets the bird. Yeah, I mean, if I saw, like... Uh, uh, a thin sheen of human skin lying on the ground, I'd be like, that's a normal puddle. Right. If yeah. you're a bird, you probably think that. Sure. There's birds with with their hollow bones that are always <laughs> yeah. walking around, those, jumping uh, into stuff. We're lording it over the rest of us with our yeah. solid bones. Oh, man. Exactly. Now, do you think, uh, what if the underground, all the red eyes we saw, if they're just throwing a big party for Jane? Oh, like a surprise okay. party. A surprise party. That and Chainsaw nice. Nun's going to jump out and be like, Want me to cut this cake? <laughs> I mean, what if she's in the cake, right? Like for uh, Pete, on your birthday, didn't you get that ra- big race car cake and then you had a chainsaw nun jump out? Oh, yeah. You? That was pretty sweet. Yeah. And then I'm, ha- I'm going to have Pete jump out of an Alex cake for my birthday. <laughs> oh, no, man. just jump out of Alex. It's fine. <laughs> I'm uh, done. Well, it, uh, you're out of here? Yeah. <laughs> Is, is it cake? It cake? Yeah. Is Alex cake? Check yeah. into the comments and shout out if you think Alex is cake or not. Because it's going to be hard. It's a tough It's a tough one. Why don't we wrap up here, though, and talk about who is most doomed going into Before, the finale? Just one last oh, thing okay, I want yes, to say. Sorry. The season four of Doom Patrol started shooting at the end of February um, uh, this year. So it is the, we're going to have a season four coming our way yeah, sooner yeah. than we think. Very Woo-hoo. exciting. Who is most doomed going into the finale? Justin, you want to take that one first? Who's most doomed? Uh, well, yes. I think, um, I mean, I got to stick with Cliff on this one. I think he's the one, he's jarred. I Go think on, he's going to end up the season being jarred. He's just someone who things don't go super well for. Seems fair. Pete, who is most doomed? Niles, that fucking guy is dead. Honestly, chances are high he could just show up at the end of this. Don't do that. I agree. Don't do it. I'm going to go with Rita, which I feel like I've been calling out sporadically over the past couple of episodes. But she has potentially so much to lose here, and this season has all been about her. So I feel like coming in at the end, there's got to be some sort of turn. There's some sort of punishment or realization or something is going to happen with her. That's going to be big, but we'll see what it is. If you'd like to support this podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 PM to crowdcast on YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about Doom Patrol, iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Comic Book Live on Twitter, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. And now before we go, a Pete of advice. From Pete hey, Page. Hey, don't be like Rita. You can fight birds. All right? Don't take shit from no birds. I ain't afraid yeah. of no birds. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. 
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.